We've arrived. Welcome to our final destination. We began this journey several weeks ago remembering Jesus' baptism, his mark of identity, and hopefully remembering our own baptism. The next week as we continued on the journey, we heard an invitation. An invitation to come and see, to meet this one who's leading the journey and experience him for yourself. After traveling for a few weeks, decided, hey, let's have a little expedition. And it was a fishing expedition. The disciples were fishing and Jesus was calling them to come and fish with him. But not for scaled amphibians, for people. Come, follow me. And the disciples left immediately and followed Jesus. Well, after traveling for a few weeks, it's nice to take a little break. And we looked at remembering the Sabbath. Not in the sense of the Ten Commandments, but remember Jesus, what he did on that Sabbath. He taught in the synagogue at Capernaum and he healed the demon-possessed man. He spoke with authority and the kingdom of God had priority. And then last week, the youth led us in a wonderful worship service, remembering this journey and many of them eloquently shared their own journey with Jesus. I hope as you heard their journeys that you recalled your own. So today, in this last time in our journey with Jesus, we've arrived. We've made it to our final destination. One more expedition to go, a mountaintop expedition. The climatic experience of discovering who Jesus is before we begin the journey of Lent. But as Angela reminded us, we can't stay on the mountaintop forever. It's a wonderful place, a wonderful discovery, a moment of glory. But we do have to come down from the mountain. And so my hope and my prayer for you online and for those who are here is that somewhere, some moment, some stop on this journey that for you, you've been impacted. You've been changed. You've, you've seen or experienced God a little bit differently. You spent a little more time with God. You've been and a little more intimate relationship with Jesus. And that your life has begun to be impacted, to change, transform, perhaps because of that time. And here's my other prayer, is that you know confidently, you are assured that you don't take the journey alone. Jesus walks the journey with us. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, we thank you for this journey in which we've been on and for the opportunity we have to hear your invitation to follow you, Lord, wherever you go. Lord, we know sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's snowy and uncertain and we can't see and the road's not clear and it could be a little slippery. Sometimes, Lord, there are holes or pitfalls. Sometimes there are mountains in the way that we've got to climb. Sometimes there are holy moments in which we experience you personally. So Lord, I pray for each of us on this journey we are, wherever we are in the journey, whether it's a day of beginning or we're wrapping it up, that we recognize we don't make this journey alone and that you lead the way. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, today is Valentine's Day. A day of celebration for some and also for others, a day of heartbreak 
especially the brokenness and loss in which we've experienced this year. Tomorrow is a holiday. No school tomorrow. Ha. Guess weather's going to take care of that too. I thought all schools were out, but I heard some schools were actually supposed to be in tomorrow and they've already called them off. It's also President's Day, a day that we remember and recognize the presidents whose birthdays are in this month of George Washington and Abe Lincoln. One of the greatest pictures of George Washington, in my opinion, is when he's kneeling. He's kneeling down next to his horse. His hands are clasped, his eyes are closed, and he's praying. Now, I'm not sure if this prayer comes from this exact moment, but it's a prayer from George Washington that's been rewritten, and I share it with you this morning. Hear it or see it on the screen. Almighty God, we make our earnest prayer that thou will keep the United States in thy holy protection, that thou wilt incline the heads of the citizens to cultivate a spirit of subordination and obedience to government, and entertain a brother affection and love for one another and for their fellow citizens of the United States at large. And finally, that thou wilt most graciously be pleased to dispose us all to do justice, to love mercy, and demean ourselves with that charity, humility, and perfect temper of mind which were the characteristics of the divine author of our blessed religion and with a humble imitation of whose example in these things we can ever hope to be a happy nation. Grant our supplication, we beseech thee, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I imagine for Washington that this must have been a holy moment, probably more than one in which he experienced as he sought to lead our country. Each of us has the holy moments. Those moments in which we especially feel close to God are really, in reality, I should say, that God is especially close to us. Jesus had holy moments too. I guess if he's Jesus, then all of his moments were holy, but some of those holy moments stood out because not only were they holy for him, but they were holy for those who were around him. Today we explore one of those holy moments, his transfiguration. So I invite you to follow along in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. If you're online, it's time to get your Bible or devices out of your scripture. For those who are present here in person, I hope you have a means in which you can follow along this morning as we read God's word. Join me, Mark, chapter 9, verse 2. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a mountain apart, up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, my beloved. Listen, listen to him. 
Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. During our Wednesday video devotions, the staff has been sharing places and moments where we experience God. Do you have those places? Do you have those moments, those spaces in which God is especially close to you? I shared the one on this past Wednesday and talked about experiences where I have seen that and also a place in my own home in which I hang out with God. This morning, I want to share a place a little bit further away, a few miles down the interstate called Lakeshore. Maybe you have been there. It's a special place for me and for each member of my family. It's our retreat center on the Tennessee River. For over 25 years, I've seen lives changed, youth and children especially. There's something meaningful about sitting in that back room and full glass windows as they overlook the water, or sitting in the Vesper ring as the sun begins to set. Even in the cafeteria, eating the rolls together, or in the tabernacle, singing the songs and the relationships that are formed. There have been many holy moments on this mountaintop hill of Tennessee. Jesus had a holy moment on top of a mountain hill, but I imagine that this mountain and his experience were a little bit bigger than the one in Tennessee. We know it today is the transfiguration. Christ's transfiguration gives us an opportunity to see what's different about this one who's leading us on this journey, who's calling us to follow him as one of his disciples. Our eyes are open to the unique relationship that Jesus has with God. We see Jesus revealed as never before. We see what Jesus has been saying about himself. We see for the first time his divine nature and we get to catch a glimpse of Jesus as the Messiah. It's a holy moment. For on the other side of the mountain, there's another journey that we'll take with Jesus. It's on the road to Jerusalem, to the cross, to his resurrection. In the church, we call this journey, we call this season Lent. So what was it about this moment that made it such a holy moment? Two, I'll briefly share with you. For Jesus, it was a moment of identification and affirmation. Do you remember when they are on the mountain, what was around them? Clouds. There was a cloud there. And do you remember there was a voice that came out of the cloud? Whose voice was that? It was God's voice. And what did he say? This is my son, my beloved. Wait a minute. This is my son, my beloved. Where have we heard that before? It was baptism. It was Jesus' baptism. The first stop on our journey that God said these exact same words. We hear once again. The words of assurance. 
There's no doubt of who the one is that is before you, that is leading you. There's no doubt that he is my son. I have called him as he calls you. I'm sending him forth to his death and his resurrection. But, but hear this. Jesus is not alone on the journey. His eyes are fixed above on his way to the cross. Now, clouds in Jewish thought were a commonplace that connected with God's presence. Remember, where did Moses go when he met God for the Ten Commandments? The Ten Commandments. He went up on the mountain and God was in the cloud. As the Israelites were wandering in the desert, God's presence through the cloud filled the tabernacle. And after Solomon built his temple, God filled the temple in the presence of a cloud. We see often these holy moments that take place. There's something special about them and something special about being on the mountaintops that bring each of us closer into the reality. Not only was this a holy moment of identification and affirmation for Jesus, it was a moment of connection. What makes Lakeshore a special place for me and for my family is not just the physical setting that you're in while you're there, but it's the relationships that are formed and nurtured each time you go. Lifelong friends today that still have for my family. Not only did Jesus's, did Jesus's face shine like the sun, not only were his clothes as pure as white can ever be on the mountaintop, but there were two other people that were present while they were there. Not the disciples, but who were the two others that appeared on the mountaintop? Moses and Elijah. And who was Moses? What do we know about Moses? The law. He gave us the law. And what about Elijah? Who was Elijah? He was a prophet. One of the most noteworthy prophets. The giver of the law the prophet who foretold the message of what was to come. They were the twin peaks of Israel's religious history and achievement, one commentator said. These two men were too great to die. Elijah and Moses were believed by many to be forerunners and messengers of the Messiah to come. And it's here at this moment of transfiguration, in front of the other disciples, or Peter, James, and John, that Jesus was the one of whom they had foretold. So not only was this a holy moment for Jesus, this had now become a holy moment for the disciples who were present with him. Why did Jesus go on the mountain? Why did he go up to the mountain anyway? Mark doesn't really give us a, a hint here, and Matthew doesn't tell us much either, but Luke begins to imply it was to pray. I wonder. I wonder if Peter, James, and John knew what was going to happen by Jesus' invitation to, come, let's take a hike up on this mountaintop, if they had any idea what they would experience that day. I think that's most often when holy moments happen. When we don't expect them, when we don't anticipate them. And we encounter God in a personal and special way. Peter has just declared Jesus as the son of the living God. 
And Jesus has told his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem to be killed and on the third day rise again. So not only was this a holy moment for Jesus, it became a holy moment for the disciples too. And two things also, and there's two things I want to point out. It became this moment for them because it was a moment of remembering and assurance. Think back to your own holy moments. The special times that you encounter God. Usually those moments have a special place that we, we tie them to. And when we think of that place or we go to that place, those moments begin to reoccur to us. Even if it's only in our mind. That's what I think of when we go to Lakeshore or we think about what it's meant to our family. The disciples had pledged their life to follow Jesus. They had just learned that Jesus was going to die. I'm sure their hearts were heavy and their heads were confused. These disciples in that very moment were given a glimpse of God's glory through Jesus who would be revealed to them. It was a moment of affirmation for Jesus. It was a moment of hope for the disciples, and it now had become a moment of assurance for you and me that we can hold on to along our own journey through the high valleys and the low valleys ahead. A moment of remembering and assurance. It also, for the disciples and for us, can become a moment of instruction. That's what makes it a holy moment. It's a life-changing moment. It's a life-altering moment. It's a moment that our life pivots around and perhaps we're never the same as a result. Holy moments offer us these words of instruction or direction. In God's words from the cloud, in God's words from the cloud, he said, this is my beloved but also, what did he say? When whom I'm well pleased, listen to him. Listen to him. Jesus is not on the same level as Moses and Elijah. Much of the Jewish way of life relied on the law of Moses and the words of Elijah. They were great people. They were forerunners, as we've already said. But now, God is saying, Jesus is the one you are to listen to. His words will guide you in the path ahead. Turn to him in question. You will receive instruction from him. Christ reminds us in Matthew 5 that he came to fulfill the law. We can't look at things only through the Old Testament perspective, but now it needs to be filtered through the eyes of Jesus. You and I still have means today in which we hear God. We've had a good time on Wednesday nights exploring some of those times. Scripture being primary and dreams and desires and promptings and other people. But we're also called to do what Jesus did. To listen. To listen to God in those moments and spaces. And what do we call that conversation with God? Prayer. Holy moments are usually surrounded by prayer. 
whether we're on bended knee or we're standing with our hands raised in praise and prayer. We need to remember and understand the power of prayer. And to do that, we need to find the spaces and places in which we can get away from the busyness of the world and that a time in which our soul belongs to God alone where we may draw close to him and listen to his whisper. Prayer is one of the most powerful influences for the equipping of God's, keep, of God's people. And sometimes when it's hard for us to pray, it's a gift for someone to call and say, let me pray with you. Some holy moments just happen. Other times, we put ourselves in a place that facilitate them happening. How can we experience these moments? How can you and I experience holy moments of identification and affirmation, connection and assurance, and maybe even instruction? Three quick things I want to say is find that place. I know I've said it multiple times already. Find the place, whether it's a place down the interstate in which you can go or it's a place in your very home that you can cuddle up with God and experience an intimate moment with Him. A place that you're reminded you're a child of God, even if it's a journey in your own mind and previous experiences. Second thing is to spend time in prayer crucial in spending time in prayer. But remember, don't do all the talking. And then to go out. We can't stay on the mountaintop. There are moments of renewal and refocus for us, but we can't stay there or be stuck in the memory of the past. Let us not be like Peter who wanted to build a shelter and stay there. We've got to live out these holy moments. We've got to continue the journey. But remember, as you continue it, you don't walk alone. So let us keep our eyes fixed above. These holy moments will refuel us and refocus us and renew us. That perhaps others might experience a holy moment of their own. George Washington did as he led others into battle and led our country. Jesus did on his journey to the cross. The disciples did as they carried out the words of Jesus across the world. What about you? What about me? What about us? In the beginning, Jesus offered an invitation. Follow me, he said. We probably have no idea where that journey will take us. No telling how God would choose to reveal himself along the way. But when we do and we trust him, we will experience holy moments which we'll never forget. Moments in which our lives pivot and hopefully draw closer to him. So let us pray.
Lord, I thank you for this holy moments in which you reveal yourself to us. Opportunities that we have to experience you personally and intimately. Places and people that you've put in our life who draw us to you, who remind us of you, who affirm that you hear our prayers. Lord, thank you in this day that we experience your glory and, and see your righteousness and understand, Lord, your divine nature. Lord, thank you for the youth and their own journeys in which through their example and through their words have shared powerfully what it means to follow you. Lord, on the Sabbath, it's Sunday. It's a day of rest and renewal and refocus, but it's a day also of remembering. Remembering that your word has authority, that your kingdom is a priority, Lord, and that in the midst of that, you speak a word into our life, in our heart, in our situation. Lord, too, we hear that call to follow you. To not fish for things of this world, but for people, for relationships, for connection. Lord, it began with an invitation to come and see. And so I pray, Lord, and if we haven't heard that invitation that this morning we might hear it for the first time or we might hear it in a new way in which we seek to respond. And Lord, thank you for those moments in our own life like our baptism in which we can, um, we can live our life out of and remember that just as you call Jesus your beloved, Lord, it's through our own baptism that you've called us one of your children, my beloved. So, Lord, thank you for this journey in which we've been on. Thank you that you've been with us each step of the way. And as we seek to understand where this journey takes us, thank you, Lord, we don't walk it alone. But you go with us. So fix our eyes, Lord, on you, because sometimes it's hard. Fix our eyes on you, Lord. Assure our hearts that you are always with us. In your name we pray. Amen.